welcome to episode 33 of Big League Flicks, a sports movie podcast. I'm Jamie McKinvin, and as always, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Christian Webster and Jordan Reed. How are we doing tonight, boys? Hey, boys. Glad to be back. Been a few weeks. Nice to be back all together again, virtually as it is. Looks like it's going to be that way for a little bit longer. Way to go, Doug Ford. Uh, Anyways, I'll toss it over to you, JR. Uh, great to be back. Uh, yeah, like Webb said, it's been a couple of weeks, so it's nice to get back together uh, on the line, as Vince Vaughn would say, and we can get going on a good flick tonight, boys. Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, I I was looking forward to getting back in the garage. We were starting to get into that time, and then the announcement dropped today. Looks like it's going to be a little while longer, but we'll make do. We'll keep rolling out some good ones here. So, uh <laughs> Today, we're actually jumping into uh, our, as Webb likes to call it, our fringe sports. Uh, we felt it was time to, to roll one of those out instead of the, the mainstream one. So today, we're, we're uh, heading back to the early 90s with a, a Disney, another Disney classic uh, with Cool Runnings. You zigging, you zagging. Oh, oh. <laughs> Always remember... Your bones will not break in a bobsled. <laughs> no, no. They shatter. So, who wants in? We're looking for a sponsor for the first Jamaican bobsled team. <laughs> Their dream was to compete in the Olympics. <laughs> but they chose a sport <laughs> they knew nothing about. Great. Very good. In a climate they had never been. Cold weather endurance is vital to building a successful sled team. This is the true story of four unlikely athletes. How about I beat your butt right now? How about I draw a line down the middle of your head so it looks like a butt? Who weren't prepared for what they were about to face. It's a beautiful afternoon in Calgary. And there is a lot more coming up. Is this whole thing a big joke? I can't get my helmet on. Thanks, coach. Why don't you put some training wheels on that sled? Oh, 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 Leave the pop setting to the real man. You know, you're going to have to do this on your own one day. Oh, You have no business here, Jamaica. People are always afraid of what's different. Now, 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 now! God! But they found in each other... Do you really expect these Jamaicans to qualify? ...the courage to give it their all. Not only are they going to qualify, they're going to turn some heads doing it. I see pride. I see power. And they took the whole world along for the ride. No! Used to follow your dreams. Follow your dreams. Walt Disney Pictures presents... I am feeling very Olympic today. A story for anyone who dares to stand out in a crowd. I didn't come up here to forget who I am and where I come from. And everyone with the courage... Cool Yes! ...to stand up for their dreams. How will I know if I'm enough? When you cross that finish line... Where did these guys come from? You'll know. Cool Runnings. So what are we going to name this sled? Tallulah. <laughs> Tallulah. That's my mother's name. Tallulah. Well, you guys know the drill. Before we get into the movie, we're going to crack the top on a nice cold beer. So without further ado, let's get into our brew review. What are we drinking tonight, Webb? Well, boys, you know I'm pretty down the dumps after this uh, announcement today. 
needed a beer to uh, help us remember the good times. Uh, a beer that was not only refreshing, full-bodied, and flavorful, uh, well after you enjoy that first sip, but also a beer that will lift your spirits simply by gazing upon it in one of its beautiful stubby bottles. Uh, so that's why this week we're enjoying a pint from the island with big spirits and even bigger vibes and cracking open a stubby of Red Stripe Lager. Since 1928, this 4.7% lager has been synonymous with this, uh, Jamaica as much as Bob Marley, reggae music, or even Usain Bolt. So remember, next time you head out to the beer store, look for that stubby bottle uh, from the island with the big heart. For more information on this beer and the company itself, be sure to hit up us.redstripebeer.com or give them a follow on all their major social media platforms. And as always, Big League Flicks reminds you to please enjoy responsibly and always ensure you have a range of safe ride home. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers, guys. I'm going to crack mine right now. You're darn right. <laughs> there we go. I'm going to crack my second one. I mean... First one there. <laughs> First one. It's good beer. What do you think, JR? There's something about the small bottle, the small stubby bottle that almost has like a retro feel slash vacation mode. And it just puts you a little more relaxed. And is I it? definitely think this beer is better out of a bottle. I don't know if I could even have it out of a can. I don't even know if I've seen it in a can. I don't think I have, and I don't think I want to. No, I don't so, want to. I, that's one thing you just don't want to see. You, just, you know, you don't want to see your parents naked. It's like. Yeah, <laughs> there's certain things you don't want to see. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the Red Stripe, fantastic. It tastes like a great day, afternoon at a beach. And a few of these, I like the stubby bottles in a bucket of ice. And you just kind of reach over out of your lawn chair and you put your hand in that cold water and you just pull out another one. And I, always you know, good memories with this beer. So You know what awesome. I like about this beer too? I don't, like I've seen some of the older bottles too. Not much has changed. Like the bottle shape stayed the same. And so is the, uh, so is their like logo or their design. I love the cool logo. They're like yeah, the, they're like the Montreal Canadians of, uh, of beers with their logos. You know, like they got the old school uniform, yep. not much changes. I like that. That's classic. Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, red when you red have Wings. A, the Red Wings. When, when you have a good thing going and I still like the, my last point, I like how I love the 4.7%. And then you that's an afternoon beer, and they know what they're doing, guys. It is. It's a really, uh, it's, you can drink it at any time, but it's a good it's a good summer beer after cutting the lawn or something like that. It's perfect. To oh, go. yeah. Definitely enjoyed a few of these uh, when Mrs. Webster and I went to Jamaica for our honeymoon, that's for sure. Nice. There was, there was more than a, several of these consumed on a regular basis. So a lot of, <laughs> lot of fun. A lot awesome. of fun. Great Great beer, light, goes down easy. Like it a lot. Absolutely. So as we mentioned, today we're doing uh, Cool Runnings. So Cool Runnings was directed by John Turtletop, distributed in 1993 by Buena Vista Pictures. Got a 7.0 rating on Internet Movie Database and a 76% on Rotten Tomatoes. Had a budget of $17 million and grossed $154.9 million at the box office. Look at that difference! A eh? seventeen million budget, one hundred and fifty-four million. That's a I believe pretty, pretty good yeah. profit right there. So, uh, music by our buddy Hans Zimmer, starring our other buddy Leon Robinson, Dougie Doug, Malik Yoba, and John Candy. R.I.P. Quick movie synopsis: When a Jamaican sprinter is disqualified from the Olympic Games, he enlists the help of a dishonored coach to start the first Jamaican bobsled team. Let's jump into our character review. Let's start out with Darice Bannock, played by Leon Robinson. Uh, 
Yeah, Leon always does a great job in a movie, first of all. Um, played a really good role. I liked, I gotta be honest, guys, I liked all the characters in this, how they, I found that they were casted really well and they played each of their roles really well. So I think with uh, Doris, I think you have that idea of he provides the serious uh, athlete, but at the same time, he's really tragic. Yeah. And he's so hard, he's so driven. He's so dedicated, but he's also a really tragic character. The you know as things go on, the wipeout in uh, where Junior, uh, yeah, it was Junior. Junior wipes them out on the hundred meter dash, and yep. then you have the, the big crash at the end of the movie. You see that he's such a tragic character. At the same time, you root for him so hard because in the end, he's like a very good person, and he studies, he puts the work, and he's in shape. He his morale. He's trying to build a team. The idea of him uh, with fundraising and things like that. He's doing everything he can to get himself to the Olympics. I put like tragic but tough, and between the hundred meter, the uh, studious. I thought that was a good point. You know, he opts out on the go night where they go to the cowboy saloon and have a have a raucous time. I you know in Calgary somewhere, and he opts out because he's putting some work in because he knows from what John Candy told him the driver's job is to ensure the safety of his crew. So I really like him, and Leon does great jobs in roles and handsome <clears throat> prick too. He's super good. super handsome. Yeah, holy <laughs> cow! And he's, it comes off in this movie. So yeah. Webb, those are some things I had on him. I thought he was great. Yeah, yeah, I don't really have much to add. Just driven. Uh, I think Leon himself has got to be one hell of an athlete. Like, you watch him running in that opening scene where he's running basically across the entire island. He's one uh, not only in-shape dude for this movie, but his running form is really, really, like, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, like, prototypical. Like, he's got a really good stride. Yeah, he's got a really good stride. Like, you could tell this guy's an athlete. Um, so... Play, playing an athlete in these roles doesn't seem like a far stretch for him. That's for sure. Oh, he play he uh, he got a full a full scholar, a full basketball scholarship to Loyola Marymount back in the early eighties. Early eighties. Oh, wow. yeah. yeah, so he's he's a stud athlete for sure. Okay. The nun was only uh, seventy five back then. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I I didn't. Uh, uh, I was missing his uh, his jacket collection from uh, uh, Bob <laughs> on this one. Didn't have the same jacket collection, <laughs> but he had some. He had some nice coats. He had some nice coats in this one. You, just not the same. You just know what he had no on? Boys? He had on uh, in one of the hotel scenes a champion T shirt that is now super on trend. <laughs> yeah, he was. I was looking at his uh, like just some of the style of some of the guys in the movie, and I'm like, all that stuff's back in style now. Like we've yeah. we've come full full circle on a lot of the lot of the garb in this in this. Absolutely, um, of course it is. I, yeah, yeah. He's a. I I really liked him as a character. He's good. Um, what was it? Um, one hell of a house on the water there too with George. Oh, yeah. Got Ooh. a great got a great setup there on Montego Bay or wherever they were yeah. down. In Jamaica, yeah, for yeah. sure. That, that bar, how sick is that bar that they were all hanging out at there too? I made a note in that. <laughs> <laughs> that looked like a solid afternoon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, let's move on to Irv Blitzer, played by uh, beloved John Candy. Um, I had that uh, he played the role of the disgruntled husband really well. 
Uh, that first scene when he's betting on horses shows how pathetic he is with a red stripe actually to his left. He had the red yeah, stripe right to his left. But that scene where he's betting on the ponies via simulcast, radio, or whatever it's called, that's pretty pathetic. You're reaching the bottom of the barrel at this point. And no, so, you know, funny, sad. The other guys, and it was interesting, the other, the other characters, the other four basically like helped him come around to what he could have been and what he should be. So mm-hmm. I think, I mean, John Candy brings the, the comedy. He embraced the, com- the comedic role pretty well. Um, we have a soft spot for him as Canadians. I mean, the great outdoors movie in my mind is always just John Candy all the oh, time. Love John Candy. So I, I always Canada have that one. Kills the show for me, though, in the great outdoors. <laughs> He's like, Can it, honey? I'm doing business here. <laughs> Pontoon love- boat. Go in here, Uncle Roman's kickoffs jet boat. (laughs) (laughs) But to me, like I just have John Candy. There's so many emotions and emotions that come to mind when you see him, because you kind of like remember how funny he was and how great he was. So awesome, Um, just fantastic for me. I can't say much more than that. Web. Yeah, John Candy, the pride of Newmarket, Ontario, the alumnus of McMaster University. Just putting that out there, Jar. Suck it, Queens. Uh, yeah, fantastic That's human why you being. Have to go into acting. That's right. <laughs> him, and, him and Eugene Levy and Martin Short, no big deal. Uh, just, uh, yeah, hell of a guy. And, you know, gone way too soon. The guy was such a huge comedic talent. I always, like, we were talking about, you guys are talking about the great outdoors. I always love him in Spaceballs. It's still, like, one of my favorite roles he's ever been in. Like, kills me every time. He's so good. Uh, and that whole movie's great, but yeah. Uh, Uncle Uncle Buck, Uncle Buck for sure. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Planes, trains, and automobiles. For Christ, even in Home Alone, he's pretty funny. Yeah, you know he only got four hundred bucks for that role in Home Alone. There's a wicked, um, there's a wicked thing on. Check it out on Netflix. It's called The Movies That Made Us. And every episode, they go back and basically profile behind the scenes of a movie. And for Home Alone, it's a really good episode. I'm not going to spoil too many things. But basically, uh, John Hughes had a tiny budget, and he had to figure out ways to get it done. And literally, he he asked John Candy to, to kind of make a cameo in it, but said, I can't really pay you. And John Candy's like, I don't care. I'll do it for nothing. And he's like, well, I have to give you the Screen Actor Guild minimum or whatever. So he showed up for one day, did all his scenes in one day, and made 400 bucks, which was the minimum for the day. Then he took his check and went and bought the Toronto Argos. Yeah. (laughs) Him and uh, John Candy, you can tell, and Catherine O'Hare on that movie get along. They're they're pretty tight together. Oh yeah. They roll. They do really well. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Let's jump on to uh, Sanka Coffee, played by Dougie Doug. Dougie Doug in this role had some very memorable quotes. Yeah, uh, he provided the necessary cut to complete comic relief to this, and he embraced the role of being the comic relief. Obviously, I'm going to mention his car, fantastic car. Uh, he, I have nothing. Push car. The push yeah, the beetle. No, it's a Volkswagen Beetle. Yeah, it's Beetle. beetle. Okay. One light missing. Um, just pure comic relief, and he was perfect. To I thought the characters. I thought he offset to Doris uh, really well. Yeah. So serious, and then the goofy best buddy kind of thing. You needed that, and he was great as a comic relief in this role. So yeah, Dougie yeah. Doug was fantastic. Yeah, he did an awesome job. Yeah. I got nothing to add. Neither do I. Let's move on to Ju- uh, Junior Bevel, played by Raleigh D. Lewis. 
so Junior, that Junior, I feel like he was kind of needed for. You had to have somebody who's kind of well off. Yeah, because you can't have this many people who are hard, that hard up. You need somebody who's pretty well off. So I had him as one of those trapped, unhappy rich kids, though. And you know, we've all seen those in our experiences in school or whatever when we moved away. You kind of meet the super rich kid that we're like, "What's the problem?" But the rich person always has. There's always some issue, no matter what your situation. There's always somebody who's going to be able, you know something unhappy with. So I kind of saw that with him, where he was a nerd. He cost a bunch of people the hundred meter dash uh, Olympic trials, but he was that unhappy guy. But he's also the money guy, and there is no bobsled team without this guy, and because he sold his car. So there is no team to get right. yourself going in regards to the fundraising. Otherwise, it was kiss. Uh, Darice, which probably would have made a little more than what they said, and then arm wrestle uh, Yule Brenner there, but uh, a couple of things like that. I put no team without Junior. What a house that his dad had! Oh god, uh, nice spread. And, uh, I thought he was pretty cool, and I liked the Junior Yule um, as like a secondary level of yeah. story. The bond between those two, I thought, was pretty cool. Yeah, and I really like that relationship. I like the scene at the bar. When he gets him going, and yeah. I like that web. Yeah, he's a sensitive dude, but he's got a good heart, right? And yeah, that's what you see in that scene with Yul Brenner and the whole Buckingham Palace piece. Yeah. Um, I will say this, Jerry, you were talking about the money piece. Had he stayed and actually worked at Webster, Webster, and Cohen, we would have made him a ton of money, and he would have yeah. he would have been able to finance <laughs> the team for years to come. So that's putting that out there. Grumpy Web, Grumpy Web, and Cohen. That's right. So he, uh, I did notice one actual thing about him, and I'd have to do it. I need to pause it and go back and pause it and actually look closely. In the elevator scene with his dad, he they the, he closes the door and his dad goes up, and I look closely at his shoes. Pretty sure he's rocking a pair of Jordan threes. Nice. Ooh, of course yeah, you know that. He's got the cash, so why not, right? Grumpy yeah, Web exactly. notices Jordans, folks. That's right. Let's move on to Yule Brenner, played by Malik Yoba. He was needed as they needed some scary big dude in the bobsled team. There's always a, uh, when we talk later about the realism facts, there's some references to this. You need one big, huge jack dude on a bobsled team. Uh, and if you look at bobsled in Canada or in international, you always see pretty big human beings. So I thought yeah, I put him as a scary beast athlete. He's trying to use the bobsled as his way of getting out. That's fair. There's nothing wrong with that. He's doing what he has to do because um, he's poor and he's hard done by. So he's going to use this as his way to leave. The Buckingham Palace speech was pretty funny slash sad at the same time. Yeah. And the idea of him being angry, there's nothing wrong with that because he oh. got his 100-meter thing taken away. Web like said, yeah, there's nothing wrong with being grumpy. <laughs> and his connection with Junior is pretty neat. And yeah. he throws a whale of a right hand on that bobsled guy at the bar. And that bar fight it's, with him, that looked great. That looked like a great evening in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. It's all funny because he starts off. <clears throat> oh, sorry. No, I was going to say. Starts... Fr... Go, go ahead, ahead Web. No, you go ahead. I was going to say. It's, all... <laughs> <laughs> it's from all his training on New York Undercover where he drove a sick Ford Explorer SUV. That's what he was from. That's, <laughs> That's what he was true. From. I love that yeah. show. Yeah, he was cool, and I, I like how when he first showed up, he's just like, I don't want to know you guys. I just need something to get me off the island, and I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to stay to myself, and he's kind of got a kind of a selfish slant to him, but as the movie goes on, and as all these characters grow together, he actually becomes an, uh, a mentor 
to the guy that he's supposed to hate so much. And I thought that was a nice transformation. You know, you see his leadership start to grow. You you obviously see uh, Darius his leadership grow as well, and like and even Sanka kind of matures a little bit. So it's it you just see them develop as they go through. I thought that was a nice uh, character development for him. Are there any notable characters you want to mention as well? Yeah, I had. Uh... I thought the Mr. Coolidge guy was pretty important. He brought a little bit of legitimacy to it instead yeah. of, you know, not jumping into everything. He needed some, okay, we need some legitimate activities. And we need, I thought he just did a good job of being like the powers that be, but at the same time, trying to hold some sort of legitimacy to the events that you're in. That's what I had him for. Other than yeah. that, that's all I kind of had. So, I had the, the Kirk guy from the U.S. team who's just a prick. And you needed a prick. Like this this thing where he's getting the photographer to take the picture as they're wiping out, coming out of the starting block there. I'm like, just just a dick move. But yeah. you needed some kind of adversity from this guy's or from for this team, other than, you know, being a Jamaican bobsled team. But yeah. uh yeah, he did that well. He did that role well. He was great too. And the and the guy that played him, his name is Raymond J. Barry, and he always plays pricks. I can't remember yeah. what he was I there it's on like it's in the back of my mind what he was in. Uh, or he plays he plays a similar. Oh, you know what it was? Uh, did you ever guys ever watch Justified the show? Yeah, yeah. You know, he's the dad. He is. He's Raylan Gibbons' dad. Yeah, yeah. Brick. He just has that look on his face. You just want to punch his face. Yeah. Uh, one Great another show, guy. Justified. Yeah, <laughs> I love that show. Another one I want to mention is uh, uh, Josef Gruel, who was like the. The, kind of the villain character on the other well, team on the East the German team, East yeah. German team. That's right. Yeah, that guy. His name is uh, Peter Outerbridge that plays him, and he's he's always plays a prick in, in shows and movies too. That guy's always he's got a face like that too. You're just like you're just a prick. I love how he's ripping darts. Is that the guy ripping yeah. darts all the time? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's getting into a sled, ripping darts in the sled. I was like, oh, I don't Damn know right how he is. that is. <laughs> Damn right. <laughs> we're not on. We're not in like. Pit Row in NASCAR. Like, <laughs> this, is 19, this is 1988 East German here. <laughs> yeah. Be done. And a shout out to Joy Bannock. Well, well played. Yes. Uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Darius's wife. There, nicely done. Yeah. Um, into some quotes here. Any quotes uh, stand out for you? There's some pretty funny ones. Yeah. The uh, well, the one that I always remember. I don't know if you guys ever said this, but. So when this movie came out, we were all probably heavily involved in sports. And the thanks, coach. We used to say yeah. that all the time. It's just yeah, like smashed on. Yeah, and almost like the coach thanks, would say coach. something obvious to you, and then someone would always go, "Thanks, coach." And, and then <laughs> yeah. who said that? You're like nobody. And then like down the line <laughs> of the bench, it was said all the time. Or at practice, you'd hear a "Thanks, coach." So I thought that was pretty cool by Stock uh, Sanka. The uh, ice. That idea of him, Kant Sanka, always saying ice, ice, like just that idea all the time. The word ice was said. Yeah. And uh, the other one is, I'll keep a couple of them out, but uh, when uh, Dere said, I run it in 9 9, I'm like, 9 9 wouldn't even win you anything anymore. No. Usain Bolt in like 9, what, 5, 4 or something, something silly, or 9 yeah, 6. Yeah, it's gotten really like, fast. Yeah, it's but no wouldn't have won him the the hundred meter final at uh, the Seoul Korea Olympics that year. That's for sure. No, that no. Uh, ben Johnson with a nine seven nine. Something like that. I think he got and a little a needle help. in his butt. Yeah. I think he got a little help. 
You that just had ball, a beer. The ball I, I just had a beer before. That was all. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. He, had a, he had a can of cheetah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pop taster, I know. Uh, that's all I'm going to say on this. There's lots of quotes I know. Um, those are the ones I'll go, go ahead with. I was going to say, mine are all Sanka. Uh, how about I draw a line down the middle of your head so it looks like a butt? <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a hell of a place to be coming from when he's talking about like all the different places he's been. Yeah, uh, they, I'm not. Uh, he's like Senko. What are you smoking? I'm not smoking. I'm breathing. Yeah, uh, that's really. Funny. <laughs> uh, I hope you don't mind being quiet while I'm catching up on my reading. And he pulls out the <laughs> Incredible Hulk comic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, they're all great. I know. I got a bunch, but. They're all him, so I'll pass it on, James. One, one of the ones I liked, it's like when they're talking about what are we going to name the sled, and, and Junior's like, how about Tallulah? And they're like, Sank is like, Tallulah! <laughs> you call her hooker, where'd you come up with that? And he's like, what love his name. <laughs> and then like, uh, Doris is talking, always talking about the Swiss team. Do you see them fighting? Do you see them drinking? And then Sank is like, you don't see them with, with smiling either. In fact, uh, if one of those Swift boys ever came across a pretty girl, he'd probably yell, Eins, Zai, Dre, and push her down. Yeah, there's so many funny ones in there. We could continue on for a while on that one, but uh, let's jump into some little known facts. Oh, you got one more, JR? Sorry, I had one more. I mean, obviously feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme. I don't know. Like, in my junior high, that got said in every, the hallway between every class change. Yeah. People would yell it in the middle of grade seven class change or grade eight, whatever grade it was in. Or, you would hear uh, it. Like the bell would ring, and then someone would yell, feel the rhythm, and then someone would yell, feel the rhyme from the other end. <laughs> <laughs> this is seventh grade in Pretty, Queen Charlotte Junior uh, High School. You dead, man. You do yeah, man. Like... <laughs> I mean, those are ones that I think, anyway. Sorry, Jamer. Go ahead. No, no, uh, that's good. Uh, so, little known fact. So, at the time that this movie came in, it was the highest grossing live action film ever released under the Walt Disney Pictures banner. It was pretty cool that that wow. was the one that broke the. I believe it. The I did not know that it had that it grossed that much. I knew it was a good movie and it was popular, but they did some really cool things in this too, though, right? Like the onboard camera on the this bobsled. Like they did some really neat things. Yeah, I I was really surprised it was only a seventeen million dollar budget. It just seemed like a lot higher to me, like it would have been. But yeah, pretty cool. So contrary to the story in the movie, the Jamaican team was met with open arms when they went uh, to the, when they showed up at the Olympics and and on the international bobsledding scene. Uh, one of the other teams even went so far as to lend the Jamaican team a backup sled so they could qualify. So they, they kind of show that in the movie, but it's written kind of in a different way. I mean, they're coming to Canada. Yeah, Just... we're all friendly, right? In the sport of bobsledding, adding weight to the sled is actually perfectly legal. In fact, sometimes it's a safety measure. Both the two and the four-man sleds have minimum and maximum weights. The weight of the sled is calculated as the total weight of the sled and its crew. If the fully loaded sled weighs less than the minimum, then they're actually encouraged to add weight to make up the difference. So I, I think there's a maximum too. I think you're not supposed to go over a threshold as well for the maximum. Uh, so it would, that story of him adding weight probably still weighs true. In 2015, Sanka Coffee, uh, was Dougie, Dougie Doug, revealed that he still ha Dougie Doug still has those eggs from the, that he had from the movie, The Lucky Eggs. They were actually made of rubber, but he, he's kept them as a, like a keepsake. That's kind of funny. <laughs> That's that <good>. is funny. 
Sadly, this was the final John Candy film to be released before he died of a heart attack. Candy died five months later while filming Wagons East, which was released uh, after he passed away. So Disney envisioned the, the original cast with Denzel Washington as Doris, Eddie Murphy as Sanka, Wesley Snipes as Yul Brenner, Marlon Wayans as Junior Bevel, and John Candy as uh, Irvin Blitzer. Denzel Washington tur uh, turned down the role of Doris, and Eddie Murphy turned down the role of Sanka, both balking at the pay that they were offered for the film. That would have been a massively star-studded cast if it had all those guys in, especially that's, at that time. That's not a $17 million payroll. That's not a movie. I don't know if it would have worked with that cast, to be quite honest. Too many alphas. And part of it is, like, I think part of the, the appeal of this movie is that they're fairly unknown guys, right? Yep. Like, yeah. At that time, for sure. Yeah. No, no, I think that worked really well. And I, 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 I mean, I didn't read much onto this, but I would have assumed John Candy was kind of like, I know he was a really well-respected and liked uh, person around the movie scenes. So I'm sure he would have been kind of like a mentor to a lot of these guys throughout the filming. Yeah. So on January 18th, 2014, the Jamaican bobsled team qualified for the two-man bobsled at the 2014 Winter Olympics in Sochi, Russia. They have uh, described themselves as cool runnings the second generation. That's pretty cool. I didn't even know that. I didn't. I missed that story. Or maybe there was a lot of stuff going on at that Sochi Olympics. There's a lot of storylines, but I didn't actually pick up on that one. Maybe it. Maybe it. Maybe it was caught up in it all. I know the biggest story around those Olympics was the, um, uh, the quality of like the the village and what they were. I remember the athletes were staying in places where the doors were falling off the bathrooms and stuff. Like, yeah, I know that was a big thing. Or uh, yeah. Russia invading Ukraine, or Russia <laughs> invading Ukraine, like, two days later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, by the way. Like, they shot down that airliner or something, or allegedly shot down that airliner. Like, yeah. That was pretty... And then came flying into Ukraine two days later. Yeah. That's yeah. all true about Sochi. Pretty, pretty tumultuous time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the Jamaican bobsledder characters in the movie were actually all fictional characterization and were not based on their real counterparts. John Candy's Irv uh, Blitzer uh, coach was also fictional as well. So I think uh, from everything that I was reading, they, they actually took a lot of liberties with the story. I mean, the, the overall concept of a team kind of coming, a Jamaican bobsled team kind of coming out of nowhere and then doing fairly well, like for, for what they were at the in quali and then qualifying, which is a huge thing at the Olympics is, is kind of the premise of it, but they really took a lot of liberties beyond that. I know the script was rewritten and rewritten and rewritten so many times. Uh, and they were originally, it was supposed to be a dramatic film and then they rewrote it basically to be a comedy, which I think probably was a good call. What are your guys thoughts on that? I think the comedy factor is kind of what people liked about it too. Yeah. I think it takes a lot of heavy topics and makes a pretty comedic light onto it. Right. So it's what makes it appealing and uh, open for the masses, right? Yeah, it's a good point. You get a bigger audience with that because, like, Cleo watched it with me. She thought it was great. So you know, my five-year-old Leo watched it. So yeah, Leo watched it with me. Same idea. And I mean, and even still, like rewatching it, it's one of those ones where you're like, ah, this is all right to throw on. You can rewatch it, right? Because it's light. Yeah. And you don't really have to think too hard about it. Yeah, nope. and I hadn't watched it in a long time. I enjoyed it. Yeah. It was yeah. Good. 
So the na- so, so they kind of had some fun with the names of these characters because they actually didn't use the real names of the characters that were bobsledders. So the name Sanka Coffee is coffee. a reference to the famous coffee brand Sanka. Yeah, and Yul Brenner was a parody of the famous Russian actor, singer, director. So that was, I thought that was yeah. funny, uh, especially when like John Candy like turns to Doris and like whispers at him like Yul Brenner. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Uh, hip-hop legend Tupac Shakur auditioned for a role in the movie, but was turned down. I wonder what role he would have fit in. Yule Brenner. Yule Brenner, for sure, yeah. He's too small. Him and, like, too small him, and Leon, him and Leon back together. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Scott Glenn, do you guys know who Scott Glenn is? He's, he's a, if, I, if you saw him, you would know for sure. He was a, he's a really good actor. I like him a lot. He was considered for the role of Irv Blitzer. So Scott Glenn, I don't know if you guys have ever seen Urban Cowboy. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. But he kind of plays John Travolta's uh, foil in that movie. He's, if you ever get a chance, check it out. It's a really good movie. I like it. All right. He would have done a good job, I think, though, in this role. Uh, the Jamaican bobsled team never raised money from kissing booths or other kind of gimmicky things. They were actually funded by George Finch and the Jamaican Tourism Board, uh, so that kind of stuff, they obviously took some liberties with that. But I thought that was a kind of fun thing that they threw in there. It was especially the one where Teresa has got that lineup and Sank has got nobody on his line. And <laughs> his wife shows up, <laughs> and then Sank saunters over to the line because he's got a line of girls now. And it's that that old lady with no teeth. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. That's pretty funny. So the crash scene at the end of the movie except for the close-up shots, was actually the real footage from the actual crash that took place during the 1988 Winter Olympics. It's pretty cool. Yeah. They they, kind of interspliced that that footage. You can tell it's back then. Oh, I could tell. Really? I couldn't tell. Yeah, I could tell his neck, the way it was turned, the driver's neck. I was like, oh, gosh. Yeah, that was pretty ugly the way it was. Like, Cleo was really scared that they they, might have died or something. Like She was Mm -hmm. was like, I I can't watch this. And I'm like, no, they'll be okay. Um, it's pretty I, unbelievable to think that they didn't die or at least oh, get seriously paralyzed from that. Yeah, it was an ugly looking crash. Yeah. So contrary to the movie, the infamous crash wasn't due to a mechanical error, but more or less losing control of the sled at a high speed. Uh, unlike the inspirational scene in Cool Runnings, the team did not lift the sled over their heads and carry it across the finish line. One of the teammates, Devin Harris, told The Guardian that uh, they did what any team would have done when they pushed their sled to the end of the track before lifting it up to take it off as they normally would. So, uh, Let's jump into our realism review. What do we have for re- uh, re- what's realistic about this movie and what do we have for unrealistic? Uh, I was going to say, I'll go first this week because JR did some uh, investigative reporting this week, so yeah. I'll defer to him. Uh, so a couple things I had. Uh, the starter blocks made out of rocks. That's legit. <laughs> uh, that's a poor ass country, Jamaica. So, yeah, yeah. uh, the small little town. So when we were there, we did a little bit of a tour, uh, and in between Montego Bay and Kingston, there's a small little town where Usain Bolt is actually from. And you see the training grounds that this guy had to, to kind of endure, uh, as a, as a youngster growing up. And it's, it's totally believable that that scene would be, uh, legit there. So, um yeah that i thought was pretty spot on uh when they show up at the airport that's pearson airport not calgary airport it's pretty 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 obvious uh the revolving restaurant that is legit been there ate there it's pretty fun 
Uh, what else we got here? Candy talking about the East Germans being great. Uh, legit. They had won the three previous Olympics pre- uh, before uh, as the uh, bobsled champs. So that was pretty cool. Uh, the 88 Olympics, this was one of those years where we had both a summer and winter Olympics. That's right. So, yeah. they, so they, they could have gone for both. Um, but just I looked up to see who kind of won and where everybody placed. So the Swiss, legit to the, the storyline in the movie, they won the gold. Uh, East Germans took silver. The Russians took the bronze. The U.S. finished fourth. Canada finished 13th. Ooh. Which, not a great showing for us. Okay. Uh, and then I just wanted to see where they would have, where the Jamaican team finished in terms of the, uh, track team in the four by 100 relay. So the Jamaican team that year in 1988 finished fourth. Uh, and we already kind of mentioned this, but Doris wouldn't even have touched Ben Johnson winning gold that year no, in the hundred. Not at all. Um, I'll but, go next year. Cause I know you got some good stuff to wrap up with. Sure. So, uh, as I just want an unrealistic thing I wanted to mention was uh, there's no way Sanka would have been able to keep up running wise with three no. Olympic sprinters, you know, being, <laughs> being the last guy to get in the sled, he would have been left behind. Um, and, and then the real story, like the actual story, they, uh, I kind of mentioned it earlier that they didn't, they weren't hard up for money. The way that it actually happened was, was there were two wealthy Americans named George Finch and William Maloney. And they had this theory that sprinters would make, the best starters, uh, the best starters for bobsledding. So they actually went down to Jamaica and recruited sprinters, set up training, secured the funding, and the team practiced um, with push start, uh, push starts with because push cart racing is actually a big thing in Jamaica. So they actually did use push carts uh, on a flat surface at a military base in Jamaica. So it wasn't on some dirty old hill on the on the hillside. Uh, the team also headed to Calgary months in advance to to begin the real training uh on the tracks and they even traveled to austria to compete in some minor events before the olympics so there was a lot more planning a lot more like um professionalism surrounding that so but i think it works way better in the story the way it was written now that would have been just kind of boring in a way um and then just one other thing i wanted to mention the scene uh so uh when i was coaching with the v's our strength and conditioning coach was steve hall who is uh taylor hall's dad so Steve Hall used to play in the CFL with the, I think he played with Winnipeg and he was like a kick returner, punt returner guy, wide receiver. And uh, after that, he was recruited to be, to get into bobsledding because that's what they were doing at the time. They were getting people that were sprinters because he was a track star as well. So he was a really good athlete and he ended up getting into bobsledding and getting really good at it to the point where I think he was an alternate in the 88 Olympics or something for Team Canada. Anyways, they all these guys were training, and they did all the scenes, obviously, in Calgary. All these guys were training there, so they got a lot of these uh, uh, actual bobsledders to fill in and, and do some of these stunt scenes when they were when it wasn't like the footage they were using from 88 when they were actually doing the, st- the stunt footage and stuff. And there's one scene in the movie because I remember when I was coaching with the V's, uh, Steve didn't even tell us this, but we found out through somebody else that he was in Cool Runnings. And I watched it like the next night. And I there's a scene, he actually was one of the guys on the Russian team. And I did a freeze frame of it and took a picture with my phone and like sent it around to our group chat or whatever. And they were, we were all laughing. But he's he's got, uh, there's one scene where they pan across the groups. And they, they zoom in on Team Russia, and he's sitting in the bobsled, and the coach is talking to him, and you can see yeah. him clearly and everything. He's got a blonde mullet, 
and that's that's Steve Hall, that's Taylor Hall's dad. So, oh, that's yeah. great. That's funny. Yeah. Um, that's all I had, though. JR, I know you got a lot of good, good stuff to go on. JR, before you go, I got one more point. Sorry, I forgot to make. Uh, the first heat, so their first run, right, where they, they qualifying run, they get in just barely under the wire. I think it's like 59-46 or something like that. Their first heat run, which was brutal, right? They had a hard time getting in, and they're bumping her 58-04. So uh, unrealistic. Like, come on. How is yeah. it going to be fa- that much faster than – I mean, I guess the ice maybe is faster that day. I don't know. Ooh, That's no crazy. There. No, very no Disney, worries. Very Disney. Very Disney. <laughs> very Disney. So I did a little reaching out, and I'm going to be looking down on my phone because, uh, yeah, I reached out to a friend of ours who's a friend of the pod. His name is Jay Dearborn. He's in training to be a Canadian bobsledder. He also nice. plays for in the CFL for our uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So I figure if you're going to like a CFL team, you might as well like the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Yeah, absolutely. That's about the CFL as you get. So Rider he's a Kingston, get Ontario. Get ready. Shout out to Rider Nation. That's right. We love you, Saskatchewan. And now their stadium is actually pretty sick in the CFL. They're probably the nicest one. And yeah, he's from Kingston, Ontario. And I also have I also love Jay Dearborn because he played uh, played college football for Carleton, and then he also played like I guess community college football for Holland College in Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island. So we have a soft spot for that. Really? Yeah. Interesting. So we asked Jay a couple questions. I said, are there uh, parts in the movie in regards to the actual bobsled techniques that are real? So these are his responses. He said, their riding position is really high. Saw a couple of scenes where all three of the crew members behind the pilot had their heads up and could see out the sides as they were going down. This could be due to old sled design, but I feel like it was more for the cameras in the movie. I know that in a four-man sled today, the pilot can obviously see, and sometimes the guy sitting right behind him would be up, but the guy sitting three and four definitely have their heads down below the top of the sled and are staring at the bottom of it. He said the classic scene from the bathtub where they're sitting and practicing and leaning side to side. This, that, that is just for the movie. The centrifugal forces as you wrap around the corners of the direction of the bottom of the sled always feel like you're moving down because you're experiencing three, five G's of pressure. So he says you feel like you're always just going down no matter what. So you don't yeah. feel like you're up in a corner. The crashes are as violent as the few movie shots show, maybe more. The thing people who do not know the sport often don't realize is that there's no stopping uh, the sled once it starts. So if yeah. you crash into the top of the track, you have to ride the whole way down in your head. Uh, oh, the runs at Whistler, God. that can be 45 plus seconds on your head getting tossed around. So he trains out in Calgary and Whistler. Those seat belts, just a hard metal frame and whatever you can hold on to. Uh, one veteran female pilot told me that when she visits schools to talk about the sport, she explains it as being shoved into a big metal garbage can and being kicked off the top of a really big hill. You get slammed <laughs> a lot. Wow. He said there was a quick shot that shows the inside of the sled as the pilot loads. Uh, you know where Dries jumps in and shows the inside? He's, yep. uh, there are two D-rings that kind of hang from the roof of the sled. That's exactly what it looks like. Just, Some of these sleds, though, run seventy plus thousand dollars, and I believe that that is on the cheap end for a two-man sled. But I was shocked at how simple they are on the insides. A metal frame, the steering mechanism is up at the fr- uh, is up in the cone at the front, and then maybe if you're lucky, some handles to hold on to. Everything is about having the lightest, like you talked about, Jamer, the lightest sled possible, so you can have the heavier, stronger <laughs> athletes put. 
there's like again jamie you talked about there's a maximum sled weight with occupants uh that you can have to be under so the lighter the sled the heavier athletes can be yeah which makes sense makes sense Whatever fear they portray about the movie, about how intense a run down the track is, it's more than that by a lot. The pressure you feel going around the corners is incredible. And if you come down off a corner and slam into the sidewall, it bruises you. Again, uh, I'm new to the sport, but I don't believe it is always the crash that causes injury. It's riding upside uh, down that does. Athletes wear a thin Kevlar, quote, burn vest to prevent road rash from the ice. And when the sled is upside down, it still wants to ride up the incline of the corners. But because nobody is driving, it, uh, it, it rises too high and falls back down into the lower wall. And they said, if somebody who trains a bobsledder, do you have any comments about the movie you would like to include? The idea that they took a bunch of track guys and turned them into bobsled athletes is pretty common in the sport. Most of the athletes I've met in backgrounds are uh, track and field, football, rugby, or whatever. They, uh, they found the bobsled later in life after the post-secondary athletic careers, them uh, going around looking for funding is completely accurate. I was shocked at how many of the athletes on the Canadian team reach out to private sponsors for support. The national team does not have a lot paid for, but at the same time, athletes usually have to pay team fees of some kind and step away from their jobs half the year while still paying rent, mortgages, phone bills, car insurance, etc. So it's not easy. And I said, do you think uh, this movie has helped to increase overall exposure to bobsledding? He said, well, it's tough. It came out in 93, so when we were younger, I would say yes, but it's hard to say how many kids are watching it these days. Right. It's one of those few guesses that my grandmother had at her place, so we went to Ottawa to visit. Uh, we didn't watch it, which is true. We, that's yeah. one of those movies we would see. And then uh, he shot me another quick email. Uh, he said the same idea with carrying the sled. He's like, there's no way you carry that sled over yeah. the finish line. You push it like proper bob sledders it's too heavy first of all yeah especially and so, after you yeah. have that wipeout <laughs> yeah yeah you have that giant wipeout. you guys all have conkies like there's no way yeah, yeah. so no I, in sanka there's no way sanka's i'm trusting sanka with a corner no. <laughs> no. so thanks jay dearborn for your help on that yeah, one great, great and advice. uh really good insight on that very cool oh well god very done well yeah, done thank JR. you for that yeah, thanks for grabbing that jr that's awesome um Let's jump into soundtrack. So music was composed by Hans Zimmer. Zimmer, obviously, is a legend of the screen. Uh, he's composed music for over 150 films, receiving 11 Academy Award nominations for his work, with a win at the 67th Academy Awards for the 1994 film The Lion King. And in December 2010, uh, Zimmer received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. So what do we think of the soundtrack, boys? Jamer, I have to give you credit for every time we talk about him, you always come up with new stuff to say. Yeah. Because we talk about well, Hans Zimmer so much. That, yeah. He's, he's pretty much, like him and John Williams are pretty much the main movie guys. Yeah. Uh, so movie-wise or soundtrack-wise, fantastic. I'll be quick on this one. Um, yeah, just good Caribbean tunes. Very fair to me. I liked everything about it. Um, the song like the remake the of a couple of songs. They did a couple remakes. Uh, uh, what was the one I can see clearly now? That was a good Jamaican remake of that. I like that. Oh yeah, the, I, that's a song I remember people singing. Well, that's all I'm going to say on it. So that's that's the big one. They also had uh, I think it's like Diana Ross doing a cover of "Stir It Up," the Bob Marley tune, which is a yeah. weird version. Um, my favorite, though, is, uh, and I had to look up the name of the group, it's Wailing Souls, and yeah. it's this reggae group, yeah. and they do, a co they do a cover of Talking Heads, uh, yeah. Wild Wildlife, which is like, if you 
you're talking heads fan like I am, you'll know yep. the track and you'll it's it's kind of neat listening to the, the reggae version. The, the thing that I found really neat about this particular soundtrack, uh, Malik Yoba, the guy who plays Yul Brenner, actually credited on the soundtrack for the Cool Runnings chant. Oh, really? Feel the rhythm, feel the rhyme. Come on, Jamaica, it's bobsled time. Apparently, he wrote that and gets That's credit. That's hilarious. Cool. Nice. Yeah. Really cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. All right. Well, let's get into our movie wrap up. Where do you have this ranked among all time sports movies? Uh, first of all, it's going to be a little higher than people think it should be. I went to the theaters and watched this movie. Yeah. So I remember going in sixth or seventh grade. I can't remember the year it was, but. Uh, I remember going to the theaters and watching this one. I really like it. I still really enjoy it. I love the, um, I find it enduring. I like that I just watched it with my, you know, my five-year-old can be interested in it and it's okay. He's fine. Yeah. There's nothing too bad about it. So a little higher than people might think it should be. But as a dad, it's very nice to be able to sit down with your kid and watch a movie you like, he likes, and it's not just Peppa Pig. Um <laughs> 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 um, so I'm gonna put oh, it Jesus up. I'll, I'll probably put it in the top, you know, in the top forty, top top forty or fifty for me because I just think it's something I'll always watch and I'll watch it again. And if it was on in a couple weeks, that's fine with me. So I'm gonna put it in that chamber. I can't give it exact number, but it's fine. It's it, it it's better than a lot of hardcore sports movies today. Yeah, I've got it. That's that's good analysis. I mean, everything you said about it being like, especially being a dad now and having something that you can enjoy and watch with your with your young one. Uh, I I echo the exact same sentiments. Uh, I've got it just outside my top fifty, just because going through that list, there's just a lot. There's a lot of good sports movies. It really is. There is. Um, but yeah, and that's not to take anything away from this movie. I do really enjoy it. I think it's a lighthearted, fun movie that's got a bit based on some realism. So. There's as- some nice aspects to it there. But yeah, that's uh, just outside my top 50. Good movie. and Really enjoyed it. I'll go in and around the same vein, but I'm going to go a little lower. I'm going to say it's probably closer to the, in between the 60, 70 range. Mm-hmm. It is rewatchable. I like all those things. It's just, I don't know. It's also yeah. one of those ones I, I don't need to watch, but once every five, six years at that. Yeah, that's good. That's good analysis for sure. That's fair. All right, boys, we got a fun draft tonight. So tonight's draft, and we'll, we'll make a few clarifications. I know you got some good clarifications here, Webb. We're going to go with the best stories of athletes who thrived in, a, in another field after retiring from their original sport. Um, so they kind of had a second wind in, in life or whatever, a, a second act, uh, if you may. So, Webb, there's a couple clarifications you wanted to make, right? Yeah, so we had said beforehand that they they can't be uh, a coach of some sort in the sport. So, you know, we can't say you, you played basketball, you then became a famous basketball coach, um, like JR's favorite, uh, Woj uh, from Duke. Sure into- <laughs> right? oh, side note, Wes, or- uh, Jim Beheim Jr. is coming to play at Buddy Beheim. He just transferred from Cornell. Suck it. Oh, my God. Uh, or or can't go can't go into media for that specific sport. So we're thinking guys like Shaq and Charles Barkley going into basketball and analysts or anything like that. Uh, so they had to have some kind of second career that into uh, a different sport, similar to sprinter going into bobsled, right? Or or another sport or another career of some sort. 
Another career of some sort. Okay. So, Webb, you've got the first pick. I'll go second. Jay, you're bringing it up the rear. All right. You're like the Sanka of the group tonight. <laughs> Sanka. Feel the rhythm. So, I know you guys are going to, you guys think who I probably would go with number one, but I'm actually going to surprise you. I'm not going with that person. What? I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with a former uh, football player turned uh, CFL dropout turned the most electrifying man in sports entertainment <laughs> turned the president of seven bucks productions at Is the corner of know your roll know your roll boulevard and jabroni drive <laughs> you'll find him at the smackdown hotel i'm talking about the one the only Dwayne, the rock johnson if you smell it i I, I, for a while there, I thought you meant Louis Pisaglia, but then you clarified. <laughs> Louis <Pisaglia. Okay. laughs> the Rock used to the Rock. Uh, I know he's a snow guy. He used to say the Rock in the WWF. He used to look like a greasy wiener. I'm gonna go with another obvious guy with my first pick. So this, I mean, this guy has an electric smile. He just looks like a guy that's just a lovable big teddy bear. He was a former, although, you know, don't don't let that fool you. This guy was a former two-time heavyweight champion. Nice. And, and, and in all honesty, I think he made way more money peddling miniature grills for lazy college kids. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's fat-free. It's fat-free. The fat drains. <laughs> yeah, exactly. and, and it cooks a mean foot for all you office fans out there. Yeah, absolutely. Because so, uh, he wanted the smell of bacon in the morning. <laughs> I'm going with George Foreman. Nice pick. Great. So you got I can't believe you guys let this one fall on me. Well, I'll take it. This guy uh, had a cameo in The Simpsons with Homer. And he asked if he liked to watch football. He's a two time national championship football player for the University of Michigan Wolverines. Don't care about them. Uh, but what happened after that was he became president of the United States of America. I'm going Gerald, Gerald Ford, Ford, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, good pick. Gerald do you like nachos, Homer? Do you like to watch nachos? Do you like, nachos? Do you like beer and nachos? nachos? <laughs> yeah, I'm going Gerald Ford. He can't yeah, well not. Well done. Well done. You got the and next pick. And then my next pick is, uh, well, I think I had to go with this one. I'm going to go, uh, <clears throat> she was a star in, te in the tennis. She was a little bit ahead of his, her sister, believe it or not. Her sister now is a giant star. But I'm going to go with Venus Williams. She is the 11 Fashions V-Star Interiors. I think she's slaying it off the court at this point right yeah. now in her endeavors. So I know she's one of the part owners. She could be part of one of the part owners of Dolphins with her sister, Serena. I'm not sure. But I know in the world of fashion and interior design, Venus Williams is, like, killing it. She's made a huge so, career in that now. Yeah. I'm going with Venus Williams as my second pick. Yeah, very she's done pick. really well. Very, very good pick. All right. Well, I think I got to go with this guy. He's, uh, yeah, I'm going to go with him. I got to go with Sergeant Terry Jeffers from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. <laughs> my boy, Terry Cruz. Nice. After a five-year career in the, in the NFL with the Rams, Chargers, and Redskins, Cruz got into acting in 96 and got his big break playing the intimidating – Damon in Friday After Next in 2002. Love Terry Crews. Love everything he's in. 
He just brings a lot of electricity and comedy to the screen. He's he's great character. Nice. All right, it's a good one. Uh, I had lots of lots of people to pick from. I'm gonna go. Uh, uh, you know what, boys? I'm just gonna make them say, "Oh, oh, Percy Miller, aka Master nice. P. Master P. Uh, fame college Miller. basketball player at University of Houston. Uh, Turned, I mean, media mogul, rap star, whatever you want to call it. Uh, Raptor star. Yeah, Raptor star. Well done, Jer. Uh, great on the Talib Kweli podcast. If you get a chance, listen to him on that one. Tells his whole kind of story. So fantastic. I'm going to go with Master P with my second pick. Uh, third pick. Third pick. I'm going to, you know, this is a tough one because I want to stay true to the pod and go kind of somebody, sports guy turned kind of actor. So I was going to do that one, but... I got to give a shout out to my boy, and and I felt bad because I didn't reach out to him in time for this one. Uh, I'm going to go with former uh, football star in the CIS. Uh, got a couple shots in the NFL. Didn't really get a, a fair shake there. Injuries cut his career short in the CFL. He is on the Canadian bobsled team. Uh, pride of McMaster University. One of my boys. Great drinking buddy. Loves his whiskey. I'm going uh, with my boy Jesse Lumpson uh, nice. with my third overall pick. So, right. Jesse, love you, buddy. Sorry I didn't get to reach out to you earlier. Would have loved to have you on the pod maybe sometime soon. Awesome. Good pick. Uh, I'm going to go with a guy who's completely off the radar. I don't even know if you guys ever heard of this guy, but he was a wide receiver out of Akron. His name's Matthew A. Cherry. Wide receiver out of Akron who played three seasons in the NFL between 2004 and 2006, mostly spending time on practice squads with uh, the Jags, Bengals, Panthers, and Ravens. After hanging up the cleats, Cherry pursued a career in filmmaking, and in 2012, Cherry directed his first film, The Last Fall. And in 2020, he won his first Academy Award for the Best Animated Short for Hair Love. And this has actually taken on a... It's really spun out into another big thing. He's got a, a big deal with HBO now to do a series based on Hair Love. Um, it's, it's kind of like this comedic thing based on... Uh, uh, the challenges, obviously, that black people uh, deal with going to like hair salons and things like that, and, be, and just, uh, you know, dealing with hair in general and stuff. So it's very, very cool. I, I did. I watched the best animated short. It was really a really great uh, movie. Very good uh, movie for kids and families and stuff. But and uh, this series looks like it's going to be really cool. But cool story of this guy who you know went from an uh, NFL career and maybe not a great NFL career, but got in, ended up winning Academy Award. Pretty, pretty sweet. Wow. All right. So lots to pick from. Holy cow. A lot of picks. Um, so I think my last pick, guys, I have to go with a guy. Jeez. I had a bunch on the board. Um, it's between these two. Okay, I'm going to go with this guy because he's tougher and he had win in a fight. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go with the. I'm going to go with the only guy. It's between two guys. And this is the guy that would win the fight. I'm going to go with him because he is back on, uh, I think, ooh, a lot of episodes ago, we talked about uh, we talked about he got game. And it was the only person who can, like, rival Denzel Washington on screen. And I said, there's only, Denzel Washington's the alpha male, but this guy is and the supreme alpha male. That's Jim Brown, boys and girls. Yes. This did a movie with John Wayne, the Green Berets. So... Yeah. 
if you can share a screen with John Rain, you can share a screen with Denzel Washington. Um, the guy I had him as an honorable mention, I'm going to say, because he'd beat up Tony Hawk if they got in a fight. Jim Brown beats Tony Hawk in a fight. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. So, Tony, you know, Tony Hawk? Hawk? Yeah, Tony Hawk. Uh, oh, yeah, I, Tony okay. Hawk. Like I know, like, yeah, yeah okay. the skateboarder. Is Tony Jim Hawk Brown. was your honorable mention. Gotcha. Yeah, Hawk, Tony Hawk's the honorable mention, but uh, Jim Brown wins that one, so I'm going Jim Brown. Yeah, Jim Brown was who I was kind of floating around. I think you got to also throw uh, you got to throw Bean in there, Kobe, as as an honorable mention. The dude won an Oscar for crying out loud, absolutely, hundred uh, percent. And who knows what he could have done? Yeah. MJ, MJ, obviously, just for his his business acumen, Magic, I Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, like all these guys, right? Any, the any, I, any. The reason I'll I didn't include the, them. The reason I didn't include them is because their money was made mostly off of what they did in basketball though that's why i stayed away from like those yeah like, Matt, but the owner of a basketball team like or like a, a executive of a basketball team what and about a lot of money off of yeah them. but magic magic also made a ton of money in order it like owning all those like uh movie cineplexes and things right that's like he made a ton sure. of money in his investments and and yeah. real estate so i'll give him that too the other one i was gonna throw out there what, what about oj simpson yeah, yeah. That, I mean, I stayed away from a couple guys. I stayed away from OJ and the other guy. I was duck away on that one. Yeah, I was going to mention was Suge Knight, former uh, Los Angeles. <laughs> Ram, like made one of the biggest record labels. Of the I mean, he did he more he successful did. in his second act than his first. Yeah, True. and he, I also had uh, Roger Staubach, who after retiring became a titan in business commercial real estate. In two thousand eight, the Staubach company sold for six hundred thirteen million dollars. Pretty wow. amazing. I had uh, Randy Johnson. Randy Johnson's become a pretty uh, uh, well sought after photographer now. Actually, isn't he like an NFL sideline photographer? Something like he's insane at it. He does. Yeah, he does some of that. But his biggest, he he actually works for like National Geographic and stuff. Like that's can, awesome. Yeah, he'd have the best angles for pictures, right? Because he can. <laughs> yeah, but you get to imagine how awesome it'd be to fly to these places and check. You know, out with these his height, his arm length, he can get shots from anywhere. Oh know? God, yeah. Uh, I also had like a couple other ones I think that are pretty notable were uh, Jamal Mashburn, the basketball player. Yeah. I looked him up. Right. He owned a long time ago. This is outdated, but he owned thirty-eight Outbacks, fifty-four Papa Johns, and five Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. And one other one I had, and I gotta give him credit. It was um, the WCW wrestling uh, Diamond Dallas. Dallas Page. Page. Well, Diamond is, he he's yeah, he's yeah, killing it with that. Big deal. So those uh, are a couple what other a ones I had. What about Vinny Jones, uh, Vinny Jones about, as well? The the guy, the soccer player turned footy player. Yes, yeah. of course. What about uh, what about uh, is it Jeter that started up Players Tribune? Yeah, he was one of the guys yeah. that did that. So he, yeah, he's so, done so many great things. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, there, yeah, there's so many guys. I mean, it's it's really cool to see that because uh, there's also a lot of guys that maybe didn't have as much education too, so they've made some good decisions. Like they've really done well with it. So. You know yeah. who does a lot too is uh, Christy Yamaguchi. Looked her yeah. up too. She does a ton. She, is she married to Brett Hedekin? Is yeah, that... imagine those kids skating. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Unbelievable. Brett Hedekin can fly and your mom's oh. a gold medal. 
NHL ninety five, he was ninety nine. Remember when he played for the Canucks back in the day? He flew yeah. around the ice before anybody could notice. You know, like, this guy is flying around the ice. Anyways, NHL so. ninety five. It was. Uh, I always. I would either use Chicago or I would use Vancouver. Vancouver had Burray, Ronning, Jeff Cortnall. They were all ninety nine speed. Brad Hedekin was ninety nine speed, oh, and, I, and then I would have like Jeff Brown or somebody else like that as my other D. Yeah, <laughs> sick. Kirk McLean and Nets. Yeah, Kirk McLean and Nets. Just stand yeah. up, never go down. Just Kirk McLean yeah. just stood up the whole time. The worst, the worst though, is any of your forwards got hurt. You had like Peter Skrico coming in. You're like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sergio Mavesso stepped in. Yeah. All right, Webb, tell them where to head us up. All right, thanks everybody for listening. Engaging with us on social. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review. Please continue to engage with us on Twitter at Big League Flicks and on Instagram at Big League Flicks Pod. You can also check us out on YouTube and on TikTok. Stay safe, everybody. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Take us away, Steve-O. Big League Flicks, Jordan, Christian, and Jammer talking movies about sports and the glitz and the glamour. Got a cold beer pairing for the leading lady staring. Fun facts and trivia and man rocket comparing. Soundtracks and music, they'll rate all these things. Was it real or did they lose us as the fat lady sings? Talking junk, have a giggle, comedy, drama, romance. Did the film deliver six to noon in my pants? With their big bag of tricks, these podcast critics. Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League Flicks. Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League Flicks.